for tuning into Roll Call. The movie you selected is Ice Age Continental Drift and Ice Age Collision Course. Hello everyone and welcome to Roll Call, the show where two childless millennials gush over movies and follow an actor's journey from their early years throughout their blockbuster hits. Because let's face it, we still miss blockbuster. Yes, and like the meteors that were sent on a collision course for Earth, so it was written in history that blockbuster would eventually get hit with the meteor that we now call Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. Thank that, you. That might be top three. Top three. Uh, well, hustle, aunt, aunt, hustle your little worker aunt ass is always <laughs> going to be number one, I feel like. <laughs> Although you have an opportunity to remix that with Hustlers, so. <laughs> oh. um, what's up, everybody? I'm Bria. If you don't know by now, no, I'm kidding. Um, maybe this is the first episode you're listening to because you love Ice Age. <laughs> And God help you if you do. Keep me humble, okay? Um, but anyways, what's up? And um, maybe, just maybe, my existential crisis would feel better if we were headed towards another ice age instead of global warming. But I may never know. Yeah, we may never know. Uh, or we might. But, you know, that's another existential crisis that we have to worry about on top of all the other existential crises that we're going through as a nation. Um, and I'm Simone, even though there's really not much depth and heart and soul to these two movies that we are reviewing today. And please note that this is only for you, Miss Lopez. Um, it was nice to take a break as an adult and just disassociate while I am at this time same time, supposed to believe that these prehistoric animals can survive and thrive in their cartoon world. Did I continental Tokyo drift to sleep? Yes. <laughs> but at least I forgot about the world's problems for an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I'm going to have to repost that by the time we release this episode. Little video snippet. Um, yeah. <laughs> So in today's episode, we'll chat about no other than Jennifer Lopez, because everything we do, we do it for you. Mm -hmm. And her voice acting in the 2012 and 2016 animated movies, Ice Age Continental Drift and Ice Age Collision Course, <laughs> which could also be... Fast and the Furious movie titles. They <laughs> absolutely could. Yesterday I went over to my parents' house and got the chance to talk about these movies at length with my sister. And she was like, hold up. Are you sure that these aren't Fast and Furious movies? <laughs> Leo would know. She would know. Yeah. <laughs> I want an Ice Age Fast and Furious <laughs> A reboot up. recast where all the animals are the same, but they're ho they're voiced by Vin Diesel and, <laughs> and Ludacris and The Rock. Oh, my God. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Simone, let's take a trip back to July 2012 and June 2016. All right. Let's do it. So... 
this is going to be just kind of blanketed pop culture. I will talk about, um, I know you covered a bit of 2012's pop culture in the last episode when we were talking about what to expect when you're expecting. Um, because as I was reading through it, I was like, oh, right, some of these have been said already. So I'm going to try not to be too repetitive. Um, and then what I'm also going to plan on doing is talk about the movies that were released of the same month as each of these movies were released, and then also just the top songs of what was happening. So I'm going to do some blanketed pop culture, some box office competition, and then just like billboard Bops pop charts, and jams. billboard <laughs> bops and jams. Okay. Alrighty. So 2012 is an interesting year um and it's also funny 2016 both 12 and 16 were election years so um i know you mentioned um a little bit about that last week how that was your first um election that you got to vote in which is really exciting um i am reading off of the week which is an online magazine and it is an article called the 13 biggest pop culture moments of 2012 um we have this was published on january 8th 2015 by a writer named scott meslow um number one you might know a little bit more about this uh bria just because you're a little bit more in touch actually a lot more in touch with the basketball world than i am but lynn sanity takes over the nba oh yes jeremy lynn was playing for the knicks at that time and i wasn't really following basketball that much at that time but i mean how do you miss it? Besides, <laughs> you miss it. Um, but he was playing for the New York Knicks and he was doing really well. And um, it's a combination of his last name, Lynn, and also kind of like when Vince Carter was like super duper popping, Vin Sanity. So, um, yeah. And Jeremy Lynn is also from the Bay Area. Ayo. But yeah. And he's he's an Asian. Um, mm hmm basketball player asian american so that's kind of like a rarity in the nba so yeah that helped a little bit with his buzz because it's like what this asian kid's going off like in new york and yeah and from what i read it sounds like he just came out of nowhere and like dominated for a week's long stretch with averaging 25 points and nine assists per game which i mean you can tell me if that's is that good no, for sports yeah stats? that those are great um averages and numbers he I, i'm pretty sure he probably wasn't a starter so nobody really knew who he was like in terms of people like a steph curry or lebron obviously but um i think maybe the knicks had some injuries or something and he was getting more playing time and then he just was doing so well that everybody was paying attention to him and it became like a phenomenon. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and I mean, at this time, being viral is like all the rage. So, yes. Yeah. As we were talking about Instagram rising to fame in 2012 and um, or maybe even a couple of years prior to that, but like really starting to hit its stride in 2012. So we have so many things that also went viral in in that year. Um, we probably talked a little bit about this last week, but our uh, famous legend Whitney Houston dies in um, at the age of 48 in February 
um, due to an overdose, which was a huge loss in the pop culture and singing community. The Encyclopedia Britannica decides to suspend its printed edition, which is the end of a 244-year-old institution. Um, really? Uh-huh. So they started to only do, like, online versions of the Britannica from now on, um, which really started to seal this whole ideal of that print is dead, that journalism's dead, and, and not... And, and just print in general. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's true but i mean at that time you know you think the future oh yeah why do we need to print anything anymore but i love right. a physical book or magazine so. oh me too and as now as i'm like it's we're four weeks into the new school year as a teacher and i'm finding that there's each and each year there's a new skill that i feel like kids are losing and one of those biggest skills is being able to alphabetize and to look up things in alphabetical order in either a dictionary or um a encyclopedia or you know whatever it is and so it's like scary because those were you know skills that were taught yeah to us and ingrained in us and even if i have to run the alphabet through my head like i can still alphabetize things i'm gonna put my stink face away because these children have grown up in a world they're where going through enough i know away. so i mean i struggle with even basic things where i'm just like let me search this real quick so oh totally that's how they grew up then that is understandable. Yes. and too, that's but... yeah it's not fair for us to to judge because we were that last generation to like teeter between having a computer not having a computer at the house and like age before internet versus age after the internet and just kind of being in the middle according to jimmy <laughs> world about it so <laughs> i just my gripe is always that i feel like they have so much at their hands so there's some things it's like mm, you could have known it's, that <laughs> yeah it's a blessing and a curse yes but for sure um in movie news i'm gonna talk about one of these movies because it just so happened to be released the same month that continental drift was so one of these movies i'm going to actually mention again because it was released in the same month as continental drift but a huge another big box office phenomenon that was happening in 2012 was the avengers and the dark knight rises square off uh for box office so those were the two highest grossing films that year um and it's not the start of comic book fandom and um dc versus marvel but it's definitely the myths and not even the height, but we're like, we're taking off. We're, we're clickety clacking up that roller coaster <laughs> steep hill. Like, <laughs> it's like in a, it's like in the Animaniacs or in a cartoon where you see people going on a roller coaster and it like goes into space and then <laughs> it's ready to shoot back down again. <laughs> Which also kind of happens in Collision Course, but wow, there's a that's a whole other conversation to talk about later. Um, in addition, some of the other things that were happening in 2012, AMC's The Walking Dead smashes rating records. It's one I think the highest grossing show and highest tuned in show, at least in terms of AMC goes. Um, the AMC Walking Dead has always been a hit, um, but they pull in average of 10.9 million views during each oh. episode premiere, um, 
which is pretty good. Disney also buys Lucas Films in 2012. So uh, Star Wars fans are beginning to be a little bit hesitant because they fear of the mouse takeover. But Disney fans also got to welcome in a new princess that year as well with Princess Leia. So it was uh, it was I, I feel like Star Wars fans can now easily rest assured. They they thought that Disney was going to drive that saga into the ground, but boy, oh boy. I mean, now we have Galaxy's Edge and Star Wars Hotels coming. Soon. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure they're, um, they're like, this was a great decision. I knew this was going to work out all along. I wasn't one of those fans, like, bitching at, about it at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Disney knew exactly what they were doing and they've marketed it exactly to how it best suits their needs, which is making money, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In celebrity couples news, Tomcat breakup in 2012, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes officially divorce. Um, Good for her. Good for her. I just finished Leah Remini's book on her leaving Scientology, which um, wasn't really necessary for me to, I listened to it on an audiobook, but I listened to her podcast and I watched her series on A&E. And so a lot of it I kind of knew, but man, was that situation like not, not the best. It was yikesy for sure. (laughs) He's like, He's, like, oddly lauded in Scientology. Well, because he's, like, a big cash cow. But he is really put on a pedestal in Scientology. And that is probably one of many reasons why he was jumping on that couch to begin with. And also (sighs) why Katie probably left. (laughs) Yeah. I like to think there's this famous uh, picture of Nicole Kidman leaving the divorce room with after divorcing uh, Tom Hanks, and she just looks like so fucking Tom free. Oh, did Tom I say Hanks? Hanks? Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> no one would dare leave Tom Hanks. I feel like he's been married with his wife forever. I don't know how we got Chet Hanks though, but <laughs> that's another, <laughs> another thing. Anyway. Uh, anyways, yeah, there's this infamous picture of Nicole Kidman leaving the divorce room with Tom Cruise, and she just looks like so fucking free. Her like arms are stretched out. She's soaking in this like beautiful vitamin D. The song probably like I'm coming, oh, I'm coming, and it, like that definitely is playing a la at the end of Made in Manhattan. Like she's feeling good. I would like to think that something similar happened to Katie Holmes, where she just could like. <gasps> <sighs> like have a I'm gonna cigarette. I'm going to say her song just, was oh. If I Just Breathe <laughs> Little Things Between I'll Know Everything Is Alright Shout out Also to <laughs> I will I'd like to take this opportunity to now transition to 2012's top songs of the year because in addition to that song I'd like to also think that Katie Holmes big song was What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger Turn a Little oh, Taller that was a top song of the year does that feel older than that um probably because kelly clarkson in like the early mid aughts had a ton of other hits but she also like got pregnant and stepped away from singing for a minute and performing and then she was doing judge stuff but yeah that was one of the the top grossing songs of of 2012 um in addition we have we found love in a hopeless place 
Uh, we have I'm Sexy and I Know It by LMFAO. Oh. Set Fire to the Rain by Adele. A Part of Me by Katy Perry. We Are Young by the band Tonight. Fun. Almost Lows, Hovenus. Have you seen those um, TikToks where it's like millennials in whatever year yes. living their best lives and then it like cuts to like us now in the pandemic? Like, <laughs> <laughs> listening to like throwbacks from. God, that was a special time. From a time that was, yeah, so good. Um, Gautier, somebody oh that my. I used to know. Oh my God. He came, talk about one hit wonder. He came yeah. and poof, like, where is he now? Where? Yes. I would like to know. <laughs> yes. Um, Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. We definitely talked about that last episode because she was like, her and Gangnam Style were like just two viral sensations. Oh, yeah. Um, Whistle by Flo Rida. I don't remember how that goes. Blow the whistle. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Can you blow my whistle, baby? Whistle, baby. Uh, Let uh, me then. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 My favorite Flo Rida song was Sugar. Sugar, not Sugar. Sugar. And also, obviously, Apple Bottom Jeans. Uh, yes. But. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, Never Getting Back Together. By T Swift. We are never, ever, ever getting back. To- I don't know that I listened to that song in full, but I definitely know that part. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I'm. I'm just surprised. Like, even if you're not a fan, I feel like it would, like, listening to that song in its entirety might would have been avoidable at that time. Um. Yes, because I stopped listening to the radio in college, and I would just listen to like music. I had on my phone so mm. not very in tune with the popular hits in that way of that time gotcha so. well i'd like to say with the preface that taylor swift and i are the same age and so when she released i think Damn, it was red wow. yeah that she was well she's technically born like december 89 but we're still the same age ish yeah. so she so when she released the red album that was the one i know about you but i'm feeling 22 so for having that album that comes out the year you turn 22 i was like nice (laughs) i like bad blood was my jam because of um somebody that we used to know (laughs) i feel spicy i like this song i I feel i feel i feel one with this song so i i don't hate taylor swift or anything it's just like I do associate her with, like, the whitest mm. white girls of mm. Caucasus. So. Well, listen, you can put me down as the whitest white girls of Caucasus town, but. <laughs> I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, no, no, I totally own she's it. Totally like, the she's totally the pumpkin spice latte. She's a guilty pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For, well, maybe not even guilty at this point. I'm like, oh, why she's, not? And she's a talented songwriter. Like, I'm not shitting on her. I just think that. You know, sometimes you picture certain people listening to certain people and you know certain people who listen to that and you're just Uh, like, "Mm." So we have so many great things happening in 2012. We covered two movies of 2012 and I feel like there were some pop culture moments that we probably didn't bring up. And if you can think of anything, send us a message. Okay, so 
Ice Age Continental Drift was released in July 2012, July 13th to be exact. Here were some of the other box office competitions. Well, Katy Perry was a box office competition to Ice Age Continental Drift. I feel like I'm not speaking clearly, but um, because the Katy Perry documentary part of me was released. Oh, that, you know what? That is the start of like, like the Justin Bieber movie documentary and the Jonas it's Brothers. My world, yeah. And I think we Miley get Lady Cyrus Gaga. Kind of, yeah, um, just tons of like in theater documentaries. Yeah. Like, yeah. Interessante. Interesting. Yeah. So that documentary fully discloses her divorce with uh, Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. And that was another, besides the Tomcat divorce, the divorce with her and Russell Brand was like the second most watched celebrity divorce of that year. Um, so I thought they were going to make it work. I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like them Orlando together. Bloom. Like I didn't have that on my Katy Perry bingo card. <laughs> I didn't either. I, I would have seen Taylor Swift before Katy Perry, even though age-wise, I think there's kind of a bit of a gap there. But um, anyways, so in addition to Part of Me, we also have The Watch, which is a comedy about a neighborhood watch. Like a bunch of suburban dads get together once a week and like pretend that they're on a neighborhood watch. But really, it's their time to like get together and have a dad's club. And then chaos like the ensues. In, in the backup it's plan. It's exactly like the walking or, group in the backup plan. No. What uh, to expect when you're expecting. Yeah. <laughs> Good in our pregnancy J-Lo movies mixed up. <laughs> uh, Step Up Revolution uh, was another huge July box office hit. Yeah. Um, the Dark Knight Rises. Um, which was the final installation of the Christopher Nolan Batman series. Um, this is one where we get Bane and Catwoman. Oh, I saw that in theaters, I think. Nice. For once. I, I saw it in theaters, <laughs> Yeah, that was a great one. Um, and then here's the last one that I'd like to mention for July of 2012 is The Amazing Spider-Man starring Andrew Garfield. So this is the second installation of a Spider-Man series before we get to Tom Holland. Do you want to tell us about some box office stats for Continental drift um all right so box office for uh i was gonna say tokyo drift <laughs> <laughs> just just go with it all right so the budget for ice age continental drift was 95 million dollars which i'm like wow um especially for a animated movie and you, the fourth one in the animated series yeah you in my mind i would think animated movies are a little less expensive than you know filming on sets and on locations and stuff like that but also the cast of this movie are some heavy hitting names and it's the fourth movie so you can only imagine that their price goes up so yeah that's what like blows my like that's what i was saying it was that's what blows my mind was that this isn't even the, you know, sequel or even the third in the series. Like we're reviewing the fourth and fifth movies of these fucking Ice Age movies. So that's <laughs> pretty incredible. Yeah. So $95 million budget. So the gross um, profit in the United States and Canada is $161 million. 
And then opening weekend in U.S. and Canada was 46.6 million. So pretty good. Almost half of their um, budget in the opening weekend. And then Mm -hmm. worldwide, because clearly this is a phenomenon, having four or five, I think six probably movies. Yeah. uh, $877 million. Holy shit. (laughs) Holy shit. Like total theatrical gross? Or does that also include like DVD sales? Um, I don't know. That's just worldwide. Does that include DVD sales? Oh my God. If that doesn't, that is really impressive. That's almost a billion dollars. My mind. Why there's four or five, six of them. That is why. But, uh, like, you and I watched it together. It- All right, so <laughs> $880 billion. Anyways, all right. Let's, let's keep going. So let's fast forward to 2016. Okay. <laughs> You're just still, like. Yeah, okay. All right. So I'm going to I- look up how much Ice Age has made in total oh, as a franchise. Okay, yeah, yeah. Tell me Tell me. Um, after. Uh, after we do the box office for Collision Course. So we're going to skirt four years ahead of time. So Continental (laughs) Drift. Gonna set our DeLorean to the year 2016 and travel back to the future with this one. So Continental Drift comes out in 2012. Collision Course comes out four years later in 2016. And there was a couple of... um, box office mix-ups here like it just kept on it originally had an initial release of june 23rd of 2016 but it kept on getting pushed back and back and back and back and back because they were so nervous about i mean i don't know why they would be nervous because it's clear that their movies are doing good they were getting nervous about the other movies that were in competition so of the movies of 20 June 2016 that they were worried about it competing with were Mike and Dave need wedding dates. That's um, Zac Efron and Adam. Uh, Tarzan, the live action Tarzan, the legend of Tarzan. Independence Day, Resurgence, Conjuring 2, the Warcraft movie, Lights Out. Did Kevin see that? He did. And that's when I was living in China. So I was like kind of glad that I got out of watching. <laughs> uh, gosh. Uh, Finding Dory with the uh, mini attached to that is Piper. I love Finding Dory. I saw that in theaters. Yeah. Nice. Actually, I was, I've been sleeping in it. And oh, I- yeah. <laughs> and you went with Bad Blood, did you not? Huh? Did you go with Bad Blood to go see that? <laughs> Code name. No, I went with Jessica. Oh, okay. You went with Good Blood. <laughs> you went with Spicy Blood. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Me Before You and then Ninja Turtles. So those were the movies that were coming out in June of 2016. So they pushed it back. But then there was some other competition in July. Now, this movie ended up being released of July 15th um, and then once again stalled to July 22nd. And so between July 15th and the 22nd, The Secret Life of Pets comes out, Purge, The Election Year, The 
oh no, four females are remaking Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'm an Adelper. The feminists are taking over. I'm you an Adelper. That was only five years ago, and I'm still, yeah. like some of these titles. I'm like, what that came out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lady <laughs> Ghostbusters comes out, and then Star Trek Beyond. Nice. I like, and I like I, I like the Lady Ghostbusters. I was me mad too. At it. I wasn't mad at it either. That's how you redo reboot a franchise, all right? Put and that's how you it. put a spin on it and make your environment more inclusive. Because guess who were the only people who fucking complained about the females Ghostbusters? White dudes. <laughs> and they were like so angry and mansplaining about it that it's like, you wonder why women don't want to be in your culture and like want to share your cultural Interest, space yeah. with you be in your interests with you because you don't make it into a warming inclusive environment that like welcomes diversity and change <laughs> like jesus uh, anyways whatever okay <laughs> It's still very true. Um, but in addition to some of the great movies that were released, some of the top Billboard songs of July of 2016, One Dance by Drake. Mm, I just, okay, hold the phone. Okay. I, summer 2016 was mm -hmm. Drake, okay? It and was. he had a tour called Summer 2016 Tour. I went to that tour. Amazing. So uh-huh it's right in the field so <laughs> um can't stop the feeling by justin timberlake is dominating this song charts don't let can't me down happy just dance that was like the trolls song right yeah okay uh we have don't let me down by the chain smokers and i was living in china at this time and my chinese co-teacher uh, who's with me in my classroom this was one of her favorite songs she had like five english songs that were in her rotation and mm -hmm. it was three were stevie wonder one was um three little birds by bob marley and then the last one was this song by the chain smokers what a and you collection can, <laughs> i know you could tell what kind of mood she was in if she was like depending on the song so if she was playing the chain smokers jada was like sad about something that day that was her emo music wow <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is what you came for by calvin harris and rihanna cheap thrills by sia featuring sean paul uh, Ride by 21 Pilots, um, Just Like Fire by Pink, just kind of reading off general, uh, Me Too by Megan Trainor, Dangerous Woman by Ariana Grande, Work by Rihanna, Stressed Out by, tw yeah, 21 Pilots is getting really big this year. Um, but yeah, we also have a lot of Beyonce songs because Bria was Lemonade released in 2016. Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go over to some of those huge pop culture moments now that we've kind of covered some of the music. Number one, according to the Harper's Bazaar list of the list of 2016 in pop culture, number one goes to Lemonade. It felt like time stopped when Beyonce surprised dropped her self-titled visual album in 2013 and the semi-surprise release of Lemonade in 2016 felt like a huge torn in the fabric of the universe. So much more than an album, Lemonade comprised a 60-minute film and sparked a movement of celebrating hashtag black girl magic in all of its forms. Simone, do you remember what you were doing? Or <laughs> like listening to it for the first time watching the the hbo special oh my god well okay first of all i had to secretly 
this is when I had like a crazy amount of VPN software installed on my computer so I can stay in touch with the US pop culture. So when it was released to HBO, I watched it, but had to watch it in chunks because of just the unstable internet connection. But when that album dropped, that was one of the ones that I went to iTunes and was like, I'm paying for this. I'm going to oh, buy it. Absolutely. I also, that is why I got Tidal. I don't have Tidal anymore, but mm -hmm. I was like, because I think it was only streaming on Tidal. And yes. Otherwise, you had to purchase it, which not a problem, Beyonce. Take my money. Mm -hmm. I, have, <laughs> I have the CD of Lemonade and I have the vinyl of Lemonade. So <laughs> you can have it all. Um, but man, that album is a little less of a surprise than the self-titled Beyonce album because she obviously dropped Formation first and performed it at the Super Bowl. But so people were definitely like, oh, Beyonce is like something's coming. But oh, my God, it's such such a cultural moment, especially in terms of the visuals and the multi genre of it all. Like mm -hmm. she's touching rock, she's touching country with daily lessons, like just such goodness. One of my favorite albums that has like a cohesive kind of story to it. Mm -hmm. And the bomb dropped around the world that basically confirmed that Jay Z did in fact cheat on Queen Beyonce Giselle Nunes. Yes. And everyone also being like, oh, no wonder Solange fucked him up in that elevator. Yes, because that follows the famous <laughs> car sometimes shit go down when there's a billion dollars on an elevator. Yes. So, uh, love, love that album. Yes. Okay. Honestly, Bria, I feel like this could be the only thing we talk about from 2016. <laughs> because... Nothing else matters. <laughs> well, one other thing mattered for me. For the Leonardo DiCaprio fans out there, Leo finally got his chime to shine when he won it, his first ever Oscar for The Revenant for Best Actor. Overdue. <laughs> so long overdue and such a fun moment. Bria, weren't you there did you come to my house to watch the Oscars with me that year? No. Okay. So I know I had people over because it was one of those things of like, hey, I know I'm going to move to China, so come over and hang out with me kind of thing. So I know Julie was – anyways, it doesn't matter. But someone got it on film of like my reaction to him winning. And I was just like, we love you, baby. We love you. Hmm. What was I doing? I was probably working. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the Oscars are on a Sunday, but – Oh. Yeah. Well – Hell, I was working in food service. I might have been working. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, in addition to those two things, Stranger Things, the season one, dropped in 2016. Oh. Um, and speaking of the Oscars, this was the hashtag Oscar so white controversy. Mm. Not even so controversy, white. but just like the facts were dropped and people made it into – white people made it into a controversy versus it's like, no, actually this, you know – see see understand do better like jesus it's not that hard people um uh the movie moonlight as i was gonna uh, say was that that the year? moonlight one e yes so well moonlight carried over to 2017 so it came out 2016 but it premiered in the 2017 oscars mm. and that was also the la la land controversy when they said <laughs> that la la land won yeah. but actually it was moonlight you motherfuckers so oh. uh, but that movie was released in 2016 
Um, the Broadway sensation of Hamilton starts to storm over the world. The documentary 13th drops on Netflix and started to um, really kind of change the way that honest documentaries were being released into what scope and lens. And I feel like 2016 was also, also being a, an extremely controversial election year for a lot of us. Um, 2016 was kind of a year of reflection. Like, I felt like people were really trying to reflect on on things and to also wonder, like, how and why we got to this point, um, especially <laughs> <I> in politics. Mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but election night, I came home from work and I just drank a whole bottle of wine and went to yeah. bed. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Hopefully I wake up, maybe. Who cares? <laughs> Yes, I totally agreed. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, again, I, living in a foreign country during that time and such a polarizing election, and depending on how you look at it, either an extremely disappointing, scary, shocking outcome, or a joyous and celebration outcome. Like, this was the first time I felt like the political spectrum had become so polarized and has continued to be so polarized. But, I mean, I have to, like, explain to the people that I worked with who just, like, a, they're like, well, how, I don't understand, like, how can people be so upset when he was elected in, he was voted in, and having to, like, <laughs> teach my Chinese coworkers about antiquated systems like electoral college and yada 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 but also having to like tread very lightly politically from them because yeah their political systems often different than ours anyways i'm rambling at this point but <laughs> 2016 like leading up to november or i guess leading up to like halloween felt like all right this has been like a nice fun time but now we're really biting our nails and then you know september november happen or hold on one second october is in between september and november yeah all right we we've I, gone anyways a, a hellscape <laughs> that we've escaped <laughs> we've and escaped from but baby we're still climbing out of this hellhole rubble that so is, Brianna, 2016 I is like the year on the timeline and back to the future two three where no two where biff gets the time yeah, machine where, and then and Biff's marty in the hope yeah yeah, yeah 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 and marty goes back and he's like what the hell <laughs> like, yeah and it's just Biff's chaos. era is trump's era bria you are absolutely right we are still in that chaos no one has gone back in the time machine to <laughs> we're trying but yeah <laughs> Oh man. And on that note, we're going to take a pause and go drink and cry for a minute. And we're back. So, Bria, now that we've had our <laughs> just kidding. So, Bria, now that we've I feel like have excited ourselves about 2016 <laughs> and have now since thoroughly bummed ourselves out about 2016, I would love to bring it back up. Can you please tell me at least Continental or uh, Collision Course made it out? <laughs> yes. Okay. So Collision Course was before everything collided <laughs> and Thank God. Um, it came out that summer and its budget was bumped up another another uh, $100 million. Damn. So, or $10 million. Sorry. So it went from 95 million to 105 million 
Wow. Budget. And then the gross for the U.S. and Canada was $64 million, which is less than it was for Continental Drift. It was 161 okay. And then opening weekend was $21 million and also less than Continental Drift. So we are seeing this roller coaster come down a, uh, a bit. Oh. And so the gross worldwide was $408 million. Okay. Halfsies of what it's it halfsies, but still surprisingly really high. So, yeah. So are you ready for the big total of all five ice age movies? <gasps> yes, yes, um, yes. Okay. Can I guess? Yes, sure. Okay, well, it's definitely over a billion. So it's like, it's got to be, I'm going to say over two and a half billion. No. (laughs) What? You were close. You were close with three. Ah, fuck. You went with three. Worldwide, Ice Age, the whole shebang, all five, has grossed 3.2 million billion dollars sorry you know i'm not used to seeing that many numbers so. i know <laughs> 3.2 billion dollars worldwide wow yeah. that's pretty good pretty good dreamworks nicely done numbers i will never see personally in my life so. no but you know no need to bum us out further than we already did <laughs> Well, on this, uh, I'm I'm ray. ready for this ray of fucking sunshine, little Raj, to hear what he has to say because this is going to be an interesting shift uh, because we get one review with little Raj and one review post more post posthumously in a world after Roger Ebert dies. Yes, AR 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so. For Continental Drift, um, are we even guessing stars? <laughs> I feel like you're going to rate it lower. So <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. For both of them, he gives them two stars. And um, I mean, there's no surprise there, really. Wait, Little Raj reviewed Collision Course? Oh, sorry. No, he didn't. But his website has a review reviewed <gasps> oh, by another uh, okay. reviewer. Okay. And Wallace <laughs> I'm sorry, Susan, if I butchered your name. Um, but Susan W. Um, okay. Okay. Collision Course, but it is on Roger Ebert's website. Oh, um, okay. But, All right. Both yes. of them get two stars. Yes. 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 So for so generous. <laughs> I know, right? Considering. All right. So Continental Drift. Roger Ebert um, says basically, you know, he doesn't think parents will enjoy it. Especially after paying extra money for 3D, which you called out um, and was a huge gimmick at that time. Where Mm -hmm. are 3D movies now? Far and in between. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen a 3D movie in the last two years be advertised. Even longer than that, probably. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. But so this this movie was definitely um, hinging on, you know, 3D tech and laughs and stuff and you notice some things looked like was this supposed to be in 3d um (laughs) anyways so he doesn't like the movie we didn't really like the movie it's pretty much the same but one quote from that review that i pulled was um 
pretty concise. Watching this film was a cheerless exercise for me. The characters are manic and idiotic. The dialogue is a rat-a-tat chatter. The <laughs> action is entirely at the service of the 3D. And the movie depends on bright colors, lots of noise, and a few songs in between the whiplash moments. But then, I'm not a 10-year-old. <laughs> you sassy bitch! For that matter, I'm not a six-year-old kid. I imagine 10-year-olds might think this was more for their younger siblings, which is like shade because he's like not even 10-year-olds probably like this movie. <laughs> and in 2012, I was in college. You were graduating college, right? Mm-hmm. So definitely not a movie intended for our age group. But as Disney nerds, as fans of Disney, mm-hmm. I feel like animation... And as millennials, really, I feel like animation does not hinge on being a child. Um, Animation can definitely cross generations. Oh, yeah. I think that these movies don't do the best job at doing what Disney usually does really well, which is, you know, making... Tell an actual story that makes sense. (laughs) That, but also making a movie (laughs) that is... enjoyable for adults as well as kids and that you can definitely appreciate as you get older as well like i'm curious for kids who were children at this time like if these movies are hold up for them as they've gotten older or if they're like Mm. oh i really liked this movie when i was a kid but it's kind of dumb now like so yeah i mean i have movies like that nostalgia is a bitch so there's definitely movies i probably overhype that aren't that great <laughs> even <laughs> as an adult but there are some movies that i'm like damn this isn't as good as i remembered <laughs> um so for collision course mm-hmm. season w is the reviewer and she and somehow is connected to roger ebert's website so her review is on their website i don't know how they handled that after his death but yeah but yeah so susan says clearly the makers of the ice age series are running out of ideas for the main trio they have to maintain the resonating heartfelt premise you don't have to be related or even the same species to be a family That is primarily responsible for the previous four flicks grossing an astonishing $2.8 worldwide total. She also says, This plot is as disjointed as it sounds. But Strat, as a reluctant astronaut, a pending (laughs) wedding, a possible apocalyptic disaster, visitors from another prehistoric era, and 60s-style flower children? It's almost as if the writers were simply using ideas left over from the other Ice Age scripts that are about as fresh as the wind beneath Sid's fleas. To quote one of the Sloth's pickup lines, it also is a signal that the concept's extinction date is about to expire. So we've got some pretty snappy reviews and... um, Here's our unsolicited opinions. Simone, how many pumps of butter are you giving <sighs> Tokyo Drift and Collision, You and I Collide? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you and I. <laughs> you got That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Even the best fall down sometime. Like this movie. The these movies. <laughs> and even the wrong words seem to rhyme. Like, how come J Lo barely got any speaking lines, bro? <laughs> okay, oh, all right. Dark, you fall in time. Like, scratch and space. <laughs> And somehow find you and I collided. Oh my god. That's going in the bloopers, probably. That's going in the bloopers. <laughs> it's going in our album. Because so we're going to, you know, all the like little jazzy songs that we come up with and sing. Okay. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. I would probably give this. Combined between the two of them, I'm going to combine their scores and give this a one. I'm going to give this a one little pump of butter. Now, um, I have in my reviews, I feel like going back and listening to each of these episodes, I'm not always consistent. Like sometimes I talk about popcorn sizes or like different <laughs> kinds of popcorn as if that makes sense. But I false, I fell scam recently to an Instagram ad in that I bought this like series of popcorn called Oppo Pop and it like comes with its own little like popcorn bowl and like ventilated thing and then each pouch of kernels is like specially covered in whatever they're flavored with mm -hmm. so their whole thing is like your whole entire bag of popcorn is gonna taste like like be really flavorful so Oppo Pop had arrived on Friday so I made popcorn before we watched that first movie together and it was buttery so that was the one well, good thing. Do you eat no popcorn? <laughs> I like shoved it behind the scenes I was so hungry <laughs> because at that point I had already had like a bottle of wine so <laughs> I saw that <laughs> okay Bria I give this a solid one pump how many are you giving this? Um both together uh man <laughs> i don't want to be mean but okay honestly i would say one and a half together um i do think collision course was a little more solid as a story um than continental drift mm. so i enjoyed that one more Mm -hmm. um also a big problem for me is how little j-lo's in it so. that what was it so i was like i i found myself being a little a little frustrated because <laughs> i don't want to say i wasted my time watching these movies <laughs> but i watched them for the sake of the podcast my life will be just fine if i never see them again um i mean they're way i mean like made in manhattan's like way better than this right like and i even said that 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 same comment about that movie and like say about ants say the same thing about ants and these are well no i'd still watch this over ants i'm sorry i actually think ants is a better movie than these <laughs> at least these two within this franchise the original ice age i think is really good yeah no it is I really remember, good it is but... and the second one is when the like the meltdown like when the meteor like when they're coming out of yeah. the ice age right so the party the, has just gone on too long it, it agreed the party has gone on too long it's just too much and that was my biggest beef was that we like take time to watch these movies that Jennifer Lopez is in and she has like two speaking lines now in the continental drift she had more dialogue because that's when her character Shira was introduced she plays the lady saber-toothed tiger yeah. counterpart to Dennis Leary's saber-toothed tiger but um 
she had more speaking time and singing time in Continental Drift. But by collision course, I mean, I think I counted she only had like five or six lines. It was really, really small. And so it's just like I watch these movies and I'm like, why? (laughs) Anyways, sorry. That's no respect to you, Miss Lopez. We wish that you had, that you, that your character was big enough to run with the boys and like (laughs) hold its own and and with Manny and Sid and Dennis Leary. Yeah. I, we may be getting into this early, but I mean, what else are we going to talk about with this movie since she doesn't have that much talking space so maybe we talk about her for a little bit that we can talk about and then talk about the cast and the plot so as far as JLo goes I just I feel like that's the problem with this movie or this franchise at this point is that it's the party's gone on too long and they haven't pivoted and Mm -hmm. I think they needed to pivot like as great as Manny is and you know as Ellie is and it was a great choice for them to have a kid so then there's Mm -hmm. obviously more to come with their story Mm -hmm. but at the same time like the fact that you introduce a character for Diego to fall in love with and you pay no attention to that actual love story Mm -hmm. like is criminal they should have pivoted at this point and instead of these high like unnecessary high stakes unnecessary like events that are occurring that they have to like scramble to save the world and or get back home why not pivot to a love story again like Hmm. yeah agreed not and obviously you can still have manny and ellie dealing with peaches and her teen angst and all that stuff but do they really need to continental drift for that to you know be remorseful no um yeah i i think too like we were confused as to the motivations for the monkey um played by peter dinklage captain gut as to why he was so hell-bent on making like manny and sid and their and diego's lives hell to get back home like all they wanted to do is get back home that's it Uh, yeah and i was pretty drunk when i watched this movie (laughs) but i think that even if i wasn't it still would have been so hard to follow which is why i secretly pushed the summary on you because to be honest man like I can't describe the majority, like I can describe bits and pieces of this movie, but I can't describe like one solid (laughs) storyline. Okay, well. Start and finish. That's a good segue to me to actually summarize these movies in case you two don't want to waste your time and watch either of these I (laughs) Age sequels. Um, Continental Drift basically is... Again, we open up with the squirrel Scrat, and he is chasing his nut. <laughs> per He's use. the only one I'm rooting for at this point. <laughs> but at some point, it's like, aren't there other nuts out there? Like, why this one nut? And aren't you tired? Of... But evolution, he wasn't there yet, I guess. He did not evolve enough to be like, you know what? Pause. Fuck this nut. For such a dumb character, he gets himself into some precocious and precarious situations. Yes. But so we start out with the opening scene with him, per usual, as set standard in Ice Age movies. And basically, he 
jams the nut, I think, in <laughs> the ice. <laughs> this is a rated R podcast. Um, jams the acorn. I won't say nut anymore. The acorn <laughs> into the ice. And then all this stuff happens that causes all the continents to separate. And then we get, you know, what we now know as, you know, the United States and stuff. And all this mm-hmm. stuff happens. And Pangea broke up. Yes. And so all this stuff is happening and it affects our crew, our herd of Manny, Sid, and Diego, as well as Manny's family, Ellie and Peaches and surrounding peeps in terms of like their wherever they are, which I'm not sure. Are they in America or I don't know, (laughs) but wherever they are. The land is shifting, it's breaking apart, all this stuff, and they, of course, conveniently wind up getting broken apart where Manny, Sid, and Diego are on a chunk of ice, and Ellie and Peaches are another mass of land, and so now we have our driving force of the story, which is that Manny must get back to his family, and or the rest of his family, and... Um, Of course, Sid and Diego are there as his sidekicks, friends to help him journey back to his family. Um, So obviously they're adrift to sea, a lot of hijinks in the water that they should not survive, but they're also cartoons. Mm -hmm. So, hmm. (laughs) And then eventually they meet a pirate ship crew where we also are introduced to Jennifer Lopez's character, Shira who mm-hmm. is also a tiger and uh her great. ears are pierced she is a cool girl you want to talk about good looking cartoons <laughs> <laughs> they made her look fine yeah she's up there with the tiger from zootopia who knows how to treat <laughs> <a> lady <laughs> um but so we get to meet her and her gang of uh crew from the pirate ship Captain Gut is um, very hell-bent on... It seems like they wanted to capture them to eat them, but, like, obviously they don't, and... Right. So it's like, what's the point, really, if they're not really trying to eat them? Like, I think you could have alluded to it. Like, the Lion King, they were never going to show hyenas actually eating lions are killing them right. like that but like they definitely was like Simba I could eat you <laughs> like, yeah for sure so, so that part is just like well if they're not going to eat them why are they hell bent on keeping them and so of course Manny and them escape and all that stuff and then um, they save Shira and this is how she slowly kind of comes around a little bit to being on their side eventually because she's still iffy but she's with them for a good chunk which that was a that would have been a great point too for her to see her and diego's like relationship kind of develop develop which i don't think we got enough of Mm -hmm. um, because we also go back and forth between them and then back and forth with ellie and peaches trying to make it with other animals who are migrating because of the shifting of the land and whatnot um but basically at all that stuff's happening back and forth back and forth and they try to get back home they wind up getting back home and they're reunited blah 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 um and then shara realizes um she likes diego and wants to stay 
<laughs> that's that's my best shot <laughs> i don't want to there's so much like nah, nah, all over the place that is the straightforward best summary i can give yeah and then collision course scrat um in the intro scene somehow finds his way to a spaceship and him and his acorn and so he launches himself into space via spaceship and we can now thank him for the solar system in some regards <laughs> and also in space he of course has hijinks but basically he winds up helping in many ways to uh have this asteroid plummet to earth and possibly destroy <laughs> the animals mm-hmm. so manny and everybody uh sees these things in the sky they hid in the earth and all that stuff and they're like oh shit and they're like well we gotta go we gotta move we can't stay <laughs> and then they run into buck who's this weasel i think he was in another ice age movie i think he was in this one that was like a point five in between there's one called like dinos hold on I had to look it up because they introduced him as if we knew who he was and we didn't know who he was. Um, we didn't know, but the 10-year-olds probably But did. the 10-year-olds <laughs> did. Um, oh, he was part of, it's Dawn of the Dinosaurs. But then there's the Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. Is that about him? I think so, but it's like a separate one. So mm-hmm. there's the first Ice Age and then there's Ice Age the Meltdown and then there's Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Mm. which is before Continental Drift. So I think Buck was introduced in Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Okay, yeah, because he's like in some prehistoric underground with dinosaur yeah, animal bird things. Yeah. Um. So we get introduced to him. He has discovered this prophecy of how to stop the asteroid and basically that it keeps repeating history and he keeps hitting in the same spot. So... He is now the leader of the pack, and they are going to try to stop the asteroid somehow, some way, which is such convoluted plot to put on some animals living in ice. <laughs> like, okay. They um, put these animals through a lot of different kinds of scenarios. So I agree with that film critic who was like, this plot is just like leftover ideas on the table. And they just picked up some random pieces of paper and were like, this, this, and this. We're putting it all together. Yeah. So so um, they're trying to figure out or find, see see where the where where the asteroid's gonna hit and all that stuff and on that way there they find this place that is like um geotopia and has all these hippie animals there sid finds someone who actually is in love with him right Uh away and um and then there's this llama and basically they figure out the crystals will help them magnetize the asteroid I don't, I don't know how the crystals helped but they basically work to put the crystals in this volcano and somehow that deters the asteroid from hitting earth and saves everybody from dying a miserable death oh also main main plot peaches is engaged getting married and getting married and of course per dad movie trope Manny <laughs> doesn't think her fiance is good for her <laughs> and 
thinks he's corny, doesn't like him, <laughs> thinks he's a tryhard. And so the whole movie, he's griping on like how annoying his daughter's fiance is. And um, yeah. And then Shira and Diego are kind of. They're talking about-, about having some cubs and kids, but then they're like, but kids are scared of us because they're big kitties. But Susan points out. Wouldn't their kids look like them? So their kids would be scary to other kids. Like, it doesn't fucking matter what a mammoth child is scared of them. Like, or a sloth baby. Yeah. Like, when you have your own kids, they are, they are somewhat like, they're not going to be scared of you because you look like them. Like, right. So that's a stupid storyline that doesn't make sense well and also just given the fact that like the these people who all live together never address after the first movie never address the fact that diego is the clear predator of the group yeah so even though that they have brought in new people they probably have to do some kind of a reteach every time they bring in new people into the group to be like Yes, he's a saber-toothed tiger, but he's cool. So how do the people in their direct world, their little community of misfit animal species, how do they know the difference between a real saber-toothed tiger predator and Diego? Unless we're made to believe that besides Shira and Diego, there are no more saber-toothed tigers, that they're the last two, so they're going to have to fuck to keep their species up. No, they're not, because in Continental Drift, there are other saber-toothed tigers who are, like, chastising Diego about something, I forget. Oh, okay, uh... so that's, that's just my big doozy of this community, then, of, like, everyone... Diego is a predator to everyone that they hang out with, yet they have to be like, it's cool, we know that you're not going to eat us, but our species are still probably being hunted by, like, the other saber tooths that are in this area. Yeah, but it's like Lion King. Like, when Simba, when Timon and Pumbaa find Simba, they're like, oh, shit, it's a lion. Like, But they taught him how to be a vegetarian. Yeah, but can you imagine, like, and they were secluded, but, like, Let's say for shits and gigs, like other animals happenstance upon them and they're like, are they hanging out with a lion? Like, or they just see Simba and they're like, oh, fuck me. I'm out of here. Like, and Timon and Pumbaa are like, wait, guys, no, he's part of our crew. Come back to the party. Like, I don't know. Like, So I think it's just like a cartoon animation suspension of disbelief so i think it was poor taste of them to bring up that they're scary when they don't address that they are predators like they should just left that off the table yeah um or like have other saber tooth tiger tigers come around and sure and diego are like hey no these are our homies you don't hunt these animals. You can mm-hmm. go hunt some other animals we don't care about, which is kind of like mean. <laughs> but also, go do hunt they others go hunt an- other animals like Diego and Shira? Mm-hmm. They're like, we're not going to eat this possum, but we're going to find another possum. Like, or- See, that's why I think that they have to be like Simba and they have to be vegetarian, vegan, pescatarian. Maybe they eat fish. 
I mean, um, on the ship, they did have a shit ton of fruit. That was his bounty, was like fruit and shit. He's like, no, my bounty. Yeah. And so, I mean, that makes sense for a monkey. Yeah. But she, Shira was on the ship. Maybe she had been. Okay. So maybe there's like the vegan, fruititarian, <laughs> saber tooth tigers of the group. Yeah. Oh, and then. Okay. Roger Ebert also pointed out, I believe, in his review in Continental Drift, the only animal that tries to eat anybody is a fish. <laughs> so, yeah, the whole. Um, you're right. I'm of... ju- I'm just gonna shut the fuck up. It's just, <laughs> it's, just it's all fucked up. Um, all right. Can we talk about the rest of the cast? Who? Oh yeah. So if you have lived under a rock, there are some solid players in Ice Age, but throughout all of their sequels, they have uh, have acquired like more and more fun guest celebrities. So some of the main people that you're always going to see is Ray Romano as Manny, uh, Dennis Leary as Diego, and John Luke. Leguizamo as Sid the Sloth. But over the years, we have seen celebrities like Jack Black, um, Queen Latifah, Alan Tudyk, Tara Strong, Cedric the Entertainer, Wanda Sykes, um, John Cusack, like <laughs> just so many different people, Sean William Scott, Josh Peck, um, Adam Devine, Nicki Minaj, like it, anyways. Drake. Drake, yeah, the list just goes on. And we can't on forget and on. Peaches, Kiki Palmer. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Um, I will say that my favorite character, who was like the only bright spot to me in these movies <laughs> this far in, um, was Wanda Sykes as the grandma. Yeah. Like, everything she said made me laugh, which yeah. is just par for the course for Wanda Sykes for me. I, I, There's not anything I've seen her in that I was like, oh, she's not funny. Like, she's funny in Monster-in-Law, which is, like, yeah. crossover. Also crossover for J-Lo is Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer is in Hustlers. Mm-hmm. So we'll see them work together again. Um, there's probably more that I don't even really know, but... Also, Jesse J is in Collision Course. She mm-hmm. is Sid's love interest, Brooke, mm-hmm. the hippie sloth. Um, but yeah, this is a, definitely a star-packed animated movie. It is not an animated movie full of voice actors who are only no. there. Every single voice is very easily distinguishable. Because when Bria and I were watching Continental Drift, we're like, Nicki Minaj? And Drake? We were like, wow. Like, we were able to pick them up right away. So I think, if anything, this movie's done some really great casting because these voices are, like, Ray Romano is Manny, is as is Tom Hanks is Woody. Yeah. You know? Like, these guys are their characters, and I think that they're going to be remembered that. I mean, of course, with their other, like, long list and rap sheet of stuff but in terms of animated world wise yeah. i think that's one thing this movie did really well is they just had really good casting i will say though the difference to me between like those two movies is that i feel like like most cartoon characters 
obviously a voice actor will probably pass away at some point and may that cartoon character live on somebody has to fill that spot plenty of people can do a mickey mouse a donald duck a daffy duck a bugs bunny you know impression mm-hmm. a spongebob but can somebody really do a manny impression because it's just ray romano or an ellie impression because it's just queen latifah like it's just her voice they're they not would have really... to be impersonators of those people yeah they're not really chewing sh- their voice anyway and i feel like at least tom hanks and tim allen do a little bit like in toy story not tom hanks so much tim allen definitely like buzz definitely has like a very deep like yeah yes um not a very casual tim allen voice but yeah it is not tim the jewel man taylor yes so that's my only eh, about comparing them like that but other than that yes absolutely um just like mike myers is shrek but I think someone else could voice Shrek if they really worked at it. It's not like pure, just Mike Myers like voice. Um, I also want to highlight the that even within a cast that is voicing animated characters, there is great diversity in this cast because oh for sure ray romano is ray romano and he is married to fucking queen latifah (laughs) (laughs) and then i mean i would never put dennis leary with jennifer lopez but here we are like Mm -hmm. you know so and kiki palmer playing peaches like that's just i just think it's amazing that you know race and all that didn't play a factor in who they cast yeah, it's very diverse still, um, despite it shouldn't matter because it's an animated movie. So I like that they ran with that, like, and it was like anybody could be anybody. Doesn't matter. Yeah, anybody can be anybody. That's a good point. Well, I don't know, Bria. I feel like this might be on the shorter end of this episode. I mean, I would know we haven't talked about interviews yet, which will there wasn't too much out there, but. Um, we can talk about interviews and I don't know if it's fair to say if this is held up to any other roles, <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah. Um, well, interviews, there were only like obvious press, um, junkets mm-hmm. for the movie. Um, who do you play? What's your character like? Um, what's so great about doing an animated movie, which is, you know, you get to roll up to work in your sweats and you don't have to look Mm -hmm. a certain way. Um, I think this is an obvious choice for a lot of actors at certain points in their careers because of that. And Mm -hmm. also for, uh, parents who are actors and Jennifer Lopez was, had young kids at this time. So, Mm -hmm. It's probably a plus to do animated movies at this point. Also, I think Continental Drift was around the time she started American Idol. Mm-hmm. So there's some promos. Yeah, she was doing a lot. Yeah, but there's some promos for like both of them together, which was kind of cute and interesting where mm-hmm. all the Ice Age characters are calling her backstage at american idol and she's like this isn't shira like i'll transfer you and she's like this isn't shira like and everybody's calling her to try to get american idol tickets oh that's funny yeah yeah i I must have missed that one yeah that was cute um 
but yeah not a lot otherwise she did talk about that she likes obviously playing strong female characters and Shira is definitely a strong female character despite being anime <laughs> no <laughs> I, well I'm giving my like wishy-washy sideways hand motion and like she's a strong character but just so underdeveloped yeah yeah but I mean, she can't say that in the press junket. <laughs> I know. Um, but she she talks about too, like that it it allows her to show like a sassier side of her that she doesn't often yeah. get to show. Which I think that's true. Like a lot of her movie choices, as of around this time, you know, were rom coms still. So she's very much still likable and sweet and stuff like that and even in like her darker roles she's someone you're rooting for so uh, not that she's like mean as Shira but you know she's got she's got a smart little tiger tongue uh-huh. um, <laughs> and then yeah that's I mean that's the that's the most of it there is some footage of her like doing voice work which yeah is different from ants we didn't get to really see that there's a picture of her but that's all i was able to find so that was cool to see her do that which i mean sure too is just like her talking voice it's probably a little more animated than usual but yeah yeah. maybe like a little bit higher pitched but i mean still very recognizable as her voice which i mean i think jennifer lopez looks very lioness in her features oh definitely and she was wearing a lot of um like blue in her recording Mm -hmm. outfits and stuff which just also went with like she is a a gray saber tooth tiger she's like a gray and white more like arctic color so blue just kind of went really well yeah there's this cute picture of them side by side which i saved for when we promo this oh but... yeah that's the color yeah it it's looks like, good you can see it it's like yeah that is you as anime <laughs> type. i see it that is you <laughs> i did have to laugh though because the one one of the interviews where she was just talking about the movie in general and the poster was like behind her mm-hmm. but like even she could not keep up with the plot like she was just trying to like go through it and follow with the story but you can tell that she's even like wait what the fuck like <laughs> she could not hey that check i know that's what i'm that that's why i just thought it was funny i'm like dude even like the actress who was in this movie is having a hard time describing what the fuck is actually happening i wonder can we find out how much she made all right so i i can't find anything about how much she made from these movies but i'm guessing it was enough to come back and do another one and um it's a cushy gig so no no qualms about why she did it but j-lo tried to do a disney movie (laughs) i know well we have one more animated movie that she lent her voice in and that's home um but again she's not the main character because i think rihanna was the main voice or maybe she's the voice of a girl in home yeah i didn't even know rihanna did an animated movie i could be totally wrong either way i think she is in this movie wow um but either way i'm excited i'm excited for 
you know, closing off one more animated movie for JLo. But I do think that I could, I would love to see her one time in a Pixar. I would too, but I feel like Pixar and Disney don't do what DreamWorks does in terms of casting super, super famous celebrities kind of just based on name and popularity. I mean, they definitely have some famous ass people voicing characters, but I think it's not as much about like how many superstars can we get in this animated right. movie. No, you're right. So, you're right. Um, I feel like you might have like the main couple characters be voiced by really famous, recognizable people, but other than that, you have a lot of solid voice actors who are trained in that regard, doing all the other characters and stuff so um i'm just saying like if she had the opportunity to do a disney thing she would definitely have to be like a main main character Mm -hmm. i don't think they would cast her as a tertiary character like shura right she's there but not really so man she could have been in zootopia said shakira but she shakira only did the song right she She just did the song which would still be a bop if jayla did it but I can't not unhear it now that, yeah. like now that it's Shakira. Would you want J Lo to play a princess or something in a Disney movie? Or mm, I think, unfortunately, I don't mean this to any disrespect, but I don't think that she's of appropriate age group anymore to be playing a princess. But I could see her definitely being like a lead matronly role, whether that's like a mom or. A godmother type of yeah. position or you know like a, I don't know just something where she gets enough screen time but unless the main character is like an adult then I don't think she could be like top billed for being voice acting for Disney and I know that sounds ageist and that again is like to no disrespect to Jennifer Lopez it's it's how the cookie crumbles. How the cookie crumbles. Or make her an inanimate object come to life, a la Toy Story. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, franchises that could possibly still be going on. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no? <laughs> or no, wait. Was that Cheech? That was Cheech, right? That was Cheech, My yeah. bad. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. All but right, well. maybe what what if she was in like Secret Life of Pets and she was um a really pretty dog and mm-hmm. then she her counterpart is Pitbull Miss and he's a Pitbull Miss Worldwide. <laughs> I don't. And I did not a, like Secret Life of Pets, but yeah. <laughs> but oh, it could be like the Lady in the Tramp situation where like she's a really high class bougie dog and she falls in love with Pitbull. It was okay. a Pitbull. I think they should remake. Oh, they're already remaking Lady in the Tramp. Well, they d- it was a live action, but it was the same kind of dogs. I felt like if you wanted to really reboot and breathe some li- life into this series, they should have chosen a pit bull because it's <laughs> it's such it a... It needs to be redeemed. And they need society. to be redeemed. Yeah. But I bet, I bet you Disney was too much of a pussy and I bet you it was on the table, but they were like, no, we don't want to be too pit bull forward because a lot of families are going to complain. Yeah, I, I could see her as, eh, you know what, by home, maybe we'll get, because she plays a person in home, so... 
I think, yeah. We'll get a good graph. She's been animals twice. She's been an ant and a tiger. I think the tiger is more aligned with her as a person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than the ant. Um, but we've, we've got a spectrum. So the next thing is for her to play something that shouldn't be talking. <laughs> so... <laughs> They should make like an anime, an animated movie about dancing. Mm, she could be like a dance instructor, but like a lot nicer of a dance instructor than from Shall We Dance? Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say then that lady from Dance Moms. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, both. All right. Obviously, these movies were not um, not that thought provoking for us, and we're just we enjoy talking to each other, but we don't have anything of value to to add for your listening ears so agreed agreed now i i do want to uh ask just in case because i did did you have a snack and a movie or snack and a cocktail for this movie no i didn't but thinking about the fruit from captain gut Mm. i want those remember those candies are those runts no. Yeah, that are yes. all different shapes of fruit. Yes. I want some of those. And then an icy is mad appropriate. <laughs> That's and mine. You got to sneak in a little bottle of alcohol. So That's it. <laughs> adult icy it. Um, and then just because this is how I think of drinks, I totally need like a glacier souvenir cup. <laughs> or some like some of those glacier glowing ice cubes oh yes i love a glowy cube which i have some and i have no clue where they are so i have come to really love this part of the segment because i'm now always looking forward to like what souvenir cup would you make for it because it is something <laughs> that you- should be my question you should do the food and the drink and then i would just provide okay. the cup <laughs> Okay, and then I'd say something like, and Bria, what am I pouring? What kind of cup am I pouring my cocktail into tonight? <laughs> yes, yes. And we right. keep this just like we kept in when we started calling Roger Ebert, little Rod, <laughs> and figured that out in the Would You Rather segment. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so... Okay, I'll tell you my, my yes, snack yes, and cocktail, and ask? then I, I do have a Would You Rather. <laughs> okay. My snack is roasted nuts, and I will just <laughs> enjoy sneakily as Scrat can't get to his little acorn. I'm just going to have my little bowl of, like, mixed nuts, maybe a nice uh, slice of cheese. But for my alcohol, it is a frozen white cherry icy with okay, a shot of... Specific. Well, I was thinking, I was like, okay, I could go the blue icy. I'm going with, like, color schemes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like, think a red icy would be appropriate. No. I think anything that's going to be, like, bluish or white. So I'm going white cherry icy flavor, like the kind you can get at Target. And then to put a shot of either cherry vodka in there or vanilla vodka in there. I would just go regular vodka. I feel like cherry would be too much cherry and then vanilla and cherry aren't it'd be like cherry vanilla the um like the ice cream yeah or my favorite hansen soda is the cherry vanilla i don't think i've ever had that well pop my cherry and (laughs) next time i come over cherry vanilla it is pop my cherry vanilla (laughs) 
Oh my God. Well, we're going to make, I think next time, if, if you and I ever do a hotel day or we do hotel, another motel, holiday in and we're going to get together and go through our drink mix and maybe we'll make each other a drink from our recommendations and i then definitely need a wet spread. pussy <laughs> your mom had that drink it wasn't a movie she did i but... yes yes she did and she maybe just that recently... could be your drink for hustlers oh there you go think i might <laughs> um but yeah okay between <laughs> fuck mary gill Manny, Diego, and Sid. <laughs> They're cartoon characters. So? Which, I mean, not to plug anybody, but we're obsessed. The podcast, they have an episode on hot cartoon characters that I'm dying to listen to. So, Oh, excellent. It is possible for a cartoon character to just slightly be like, hmm. I'm thinking, yes, I know they're cartoon (laughs) animals, but it's not based off of their voice actors because that's different. Then I would have asked you Ray Romano, Dennis Leary, or John Leguizamo, but I'm not asking you that, Bria. I'm asking you FMK, Manny, just based off of personality alone, Diego, or Sid. I mean, okay, you kill Sid, okay? (laughs) Um, And then I feel like obviously Manny's the family man of the group, so. (laughs) Why is that so funny? It's true. He's the domesticated one, so you marry him. He's typical husband material. And then you (laughs) fuck Diego because he's the hot tiger. I don't know how I get suckered into these where I just feel, feel shameful and remorseful that I pick these terrible options you give me. <laughs> no, it's just so funny. Your reasoning is it's just funny because it's so straightforward. It's true. You, you, Manny's the, Manny's the family man. He really cares about his relationship with his wife and daughter, even though he forgot his wife's anniversary, which, like, come on, dude, y'all have been together for so long. Um, and he's, like, too stereotypically overprotective of his daughter. But Manny is the family man. He's the wise choice to marry, even though you're basically married now to the Italian version of... The little Jew man. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're living inside of your head all the time. And you're just going to be hearing these kind of voice, but then it's just a little bit more gargly. And then you're just talking sounds like more like you constantly have some kind of an egg sandwich stuck in the back of your throat. And then you fuck Diego because he's cool. Diego's he, got weed for sure. He's got weed. And that <laughs> Sid get out of here so it's got shrooms and you don't mm. <laughs> they're like mm, no not mm. today not today i'm happy he did find somebody though <laughs> so briefly but yes yes she was that algae or i algae to, i don't know the the wind beneath my fleas the algae of my eye yes <laughs> All which right. bria that was my original opening line today i just like to say that 
you, Bria, are the wind beneath my fleas, the algae of my eye. <laughs> that, I want to mate for life. <laughs> that is the biggest compliment and the sweetest thing anybody has said to me. You're welcome. Um, and now I have it recorded for proof. <laughs> Like, remember when you said I was the one of your fleas? <laughs> you remember that? Oh, you don't remember that, huh? Bring you that can't... up in couples podcast there. <laughs> you can't just say something like that and then put me through this. <laughs> um, and also, I just want to backtrack really quickly when I had said sounds like little Jew man. Obviously, I meant Woody Allen. Um and she's Jewish. So yes, she, she yes. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily excuse that kind of language and behavior, but I don't think anyone really gives a shit about Woody Allen anymore, and we're all kind of anti-Woody Allen, but that's what we have kind of nicknamed him in our family. But, hey, all right, Bria, you want to you wanna take, take me away? All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode. And to the people who've stuck with us so far, please come back for another episode of the Great Value version of Inside the Actors Studio. But seriously, if you do like us enough to stick around, take another deep dive down this IMDb rabbit hole with us as we discuss Jennifer's studio album, Love... And Bria's also going to give us her hot take on Jennifer's book called True Love. <laughs> and on that note, if you've got nothing better to do, go figure out a theme to watch a bunch of movies you've never seen. I'm your host, Simone, and please subscribe to this blessed mess. Leave us a like if you're into it. And I'm your host, Bria, and it would be awesome for you to wipe off those buttery popcorn fingers and give us a <laughs> review. Follow us at Roll Call Pod on Instagram, TikTok, and my favorite Twitter because I am racking my fucking brain to keep up with social media content. <laughs> and this has been another episode of Roll Call and Cut.